Hello, everyone, and warm welcome to episode 24 of the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast. Today, I have a super exciting guest for you guys. Her name is Marie Murphy, and she is a coach for people who are having affairs. So she helps them figure out what is right for them, what they want to do, and how to move forward. And when I heard about Marie and the work that she does, my... A part of me was like, oh no, run, this is bad, don't do this, and you'll (laughs) hear me talk a little bit more about it in the episode. Um, But another part of me realized how valuable her perspective is, and the work that she does as well, because everyone deserves help. Everyone deserves guidance in figuring out what they want out of life. And that includes people who are having affairs. So I know for a fact that a lot of grumpy girlfriends, a lot of my clients, maybe a lot of you listening, have a lot of built-in fears surrounding affairs, cheating, infidelity, being cheated on, and everything that comes with that. So that's why I wanted to have Marie on the show and talk to her about it. Maybe see if she had some insights for us and how one would move forward if this ever were to happen. And spoiler alert, she totally did. I really enjoyed this conversation and I hope you guys will too. So without further ado, let's dive in. Marie, warm welcome to the Grumpy Girlfriend podcast. I'm so excited that you wanted to join us today. Hi, Katrine. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about affairs today. Sure. That's your specialty. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, what what you do with your clients, and why you chose this specific area of kind of working with people? Sure. So I'm Marie Murphy. I'm a relationship coach and I specialize in helping people who are engaging in something they think counts as infidelity, make decisions about what they want, what they want to do and what they're going to do about that. And, you know, there's, there's sort of like the long version of the story of why I do what I do. But the shorter version is quite simply that, you know, there's not a whole lot of um, constructive, supportive, non-judgmental assistance out there for folks who are actively cheating. When we think about cheating, we often talk about how to prevent cheating before it happens or prevent an affair before it happens or how to repair a relationship after cheating has ended or an affair is over. And all of that's fine to an extent, but it leaves a lot of people's needs unmet. And as I'm sure you're very aware, you know, there, there are a lot of broadly shared ideas in society about cheating being bad and cheaters being bad people and cheating being, you know, like a sign that you're doing something wrong or there's something wrong with you. And my approach is simply to step back and look at cheating in more neutral terms so that we can figure out what's going on and, and how we want to move forward. And there's, you know, there's many, (laughs) there's many um, versions of what moving forward can look like. So I don't know if that's the answer you were hoping for. Feel free to ask me follow-up questions if it wasn't. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm curious if this was an obvious choice for you to go into this, this kind of field, or did you have any hesitations? Have you met any kind of obstacles along the way (laughs) when choosing this line of work? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, for whatever reasons, from the time I was very young, I've always been interested in things that are a little bit taboo, things that aren't commonly talked about in non-judgmental terms. So that's been like a lifelong theme for me. And in terms of how I got to, you know, coaching people who are cheating more recently in the last several years, you know, I kind of had started off marketing myself as a general relationship coach, but people started coming to me who are in this position. And I, you know, I'd written some stuff about it and it became clearer and clearer to me that a, I was providing a service to folks that 
didn't commonly exist. Like I, I don't meet too many other coaches or therapists who have this same kind of approach towards infidelity that I do. And people, you know, people were saying things to me, like, you know, you're the first person who hasn't just told me I have to leave my affair partner. You're the first person who's, you know, been compassionate to me in the situation, like all kinds of things like that. And so I recognized that there was this need here that I was happy to fill. Mm-hmm. And so in a sense, it was intentional. And in a sense, it just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, but in terms of resistance or pushback, yes. <laughs> What's the most common thing that people kind of come to you with? Uh, in terms of critique? <laughs> opinions. <laughs> yeah, opinions. Thank you. Yes. I mean, people say things like, well, you know, like cheating on someone is the worst thing a person can possibly do and you shouldn't be helping people cheat. Mm. And that's not exactly what I'm doing. Because they're going to be cheating whether you're there or not. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I'm I mean, not going to lie. My initial, when I was going through your website, I was having this like the version of me, the, the coach version of me was like, this is great. Like you're offering a service. And then there was like the primitive part of me who's like, oh my God, she's making yeah. it easier for people to cheat. And it was like yeah. having this like, because re- I, my brain has had a lot of fear when it comes to uh-huh. having like, a, like affairs and cheating and all that. Uh-huh. So I was feeling uh-huh. all of that come up where it was like, oh my God, the fact that you even exist means that it's going to, more people are going to cheat. And I was having all of these crazy <laughs> thoughts. So I'm sure other people are kind of having the same oh, reactions yeah. to it. Yeah. It's not uncommon. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. I mean, it's, it's not uncommon, you know, and we, a lot of people are, I actually, it's funny, you know, I think we have this kind of like, um, dual, um, opposing perspective on cheating in our culture, you know, on the one hand, we're fascinated by it. Right. Mm. You know, when celebrities get into cheating drama, we're all like, we eat it up. But when we start to think that it could happen to us, we aren't so enthusiastic about it at all. Yeah. And I think on a probably a lot milder level, but still similar, I meet similar pushback on my chosen area of coaching, which is grumpy Mm -hmm. girlfriends, because people get the idea that I'm out there calling people grumpy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that I'm like, you're grumpy and you're grumpy and this person over here is grumpy, which is not the case. I'm working with people who self-identify as grumpy. They're like, I'm not showing up as the person I want to be. I'm I'm always like unhappy and sour and just like frustrated all the time. I hate it. Yeah. Not me going out labeling women as grumpy, but that's how it can often sound. So I guess it's kind of a little bit similar, at least Uh to what you experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that (laughs) there are just so many misunderstandings possible in this world. And we're all, you know, to one degree or another, you know, ready to judge, ready to assess, ready to categorize, ready to differentiate between good and bad. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that has, served us serve the purpose through the years like the fact that we can very quickly judge whether something is good or bad right or wrong dangerous or safe i mean mm-hmm. i guess that has kept us alive to some extent sure right but we're no longer you know our society has evolved more um, rapidly than the human brain we're no longer mm-hmm. trying to decide if we should run from a bear or not for the most part now we're trying to decide, like, should I listen to that person's perspective or should I freak out and tell them that they're wrong? Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's yeah. where our awareness and our ability to be open and hold space for people who exist in the world is comes in handy for sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm curious, I guess it's probably a complex question to answer, but Are there any common red threads or just reasons why people have affairs that you can kind of tell by the people you work with or like the situations you hear about? If you were to answer, why do people cheat? How would you answer that? Yeah, I mean, there's so many reasons. And I I really want to make it clear that I think, you know, we collectively like want to know why. Mm. (laughs) And on the one hand, that's fair enough. But on the other hand, human behavior is so complex and varied. So I just want to make it really clear that the, the answers I'm about to share are only part of the picture. They're not the whole story. 
I don't profess to know everyone's reasons. And, you know, on the one hand, like we know that, you know, some people just cheat for the hell of it. You know, it's exciting. It's fun. They like having a stable relationship and they also like having the excitement of engaging with other people. And, um, you know, I've talked with the Ashley Madison folks and I can't remember the exact number, but they have millions of users worldwide, like tens of millions of users worldwide. And that's like, that's a lot of people with a lot of different experiences, right? <laughs> who are actively seeking out affairs. But the folks who come to me, to, you know, like, you know, there are folks who cheat without compunction. Like they don't feel bad about what they're doing. They're doing it intentionally. They may have, you know, it, they may have some conflict about it, but they've decided that that makes sense for them in the context of their lives and their relationships. And one of the ways that I see that sometimes is someone's been married for years or decades, they have a family, they're very happy in their marriage, except the sex life is non-existent or barely existent. And so they seek out someone else, like purely for the sake of like having some sexual fulfillment. And it's a very deliberate decision. So that's one thing. But, you know, another thing that, that I think is really important uh, to emphasize is that a lot of people get into committed relationships, including marriages, without really being clear about what that's going to mean for them long-term. And then, you know, the relationship goes on and of course they aren't aware. I mean, the only way to live your life is by living it. You can't predict everything that's going to happen in the future, everything that's going to happen in the course of a relationship, but the commitment is made and then years go by and people grow apart and people feel very committed to their marriage or their relationship, but they're also unhappy in many ways and unsatisfied in many ways. And so that creates an opportunity for, for folks to feel like, well, I can't leave my relationship and yet I can't stay this miserable. And, you know, they meet someone and things happen and, you know, an affair is born, so to speak. Mm. The other thing, you know, that I, I want to mention, and this, I, I, this might be more applicable for your audience since we're, since we're talking about grumpy girlfriends rather than grumpy spouses is that in the initial stages of a relationship, sometimes people aren't sure what the commitment entails. Maybe you've talked about monogamy agreements on your show before, but the idea, and especially in this day and age where there's like, you know, so many opportunities for quote unquote digital infidelity is that we don't have really clear understandings of what it means to be committed to someone else. We don't mm -hmm. have clear understandings of what we consider cheating. We don't know what our partner considers cheating. So there's all this gray area and it can be really easy to just slip into like, oh, well, you know, I just did this thing because it was fun or, you know, I felt like it and I didn't know that I was doing anything quote unquote wrong. Hmm. These are just a few flavors of what infidelity can look like. They're certainly not the whole picture. I'm curious if you think that the existence of affairs, or at least uh, the, the kind where they're in a committed relationship, they're generally happy, but they're also kind of miserable in other areas. Is the existence of affairs a sign that we're not made to be monogamous? Like, does that have anything to do with it? Or is it just that our life expectancy, like how long we live and how long our relationships last for has also kind of outgrown us as humans. Like what, mm -hmm. what, what conclusions can we draw from this? Yeah. Yeah. Th these are common questions. And I think they're really good questions to address. My answer to that is not necessarily to either of those things. Monogamy is a great option for some people. But it takes a lot more work than we usually recognize going into it. Most of us don't know how the hell to relate to ourselves, much less how to have an ongoing, long-term, intimate relationship with another human. It's confusing. It's weird. It's all of these interesting things. And it can also be wonderful if we're choosing it consciously and we're okay with working with its constraints, if you will, or its limitations, if you will. And I'll just say this, you know, like 
folks who choose polyamory have their share of problems too. It's not that polyamory or any form of consensual non-monogamy is a fix-all. And in fact, it's really funny, you know, some of the same things that people complain about in monogamous relationships come up in non-monogamous relationships. I was talking with someone recently who said, you know, like my ex-spouse and I opened up our marriage, but you know, I got involved with someone else and I fell in love with them. And my spouse thought that I was cheating on him. So it's not like monogamy itself is the problem. It's not that our longer lifespans are the problem. What I would say is that many of us kind of get like shunted into monogamy because it's, you know, the most, you know, like culturally normative thing to do or the most socially acceptable thing to do. And it just kind of happens to us rather than thinking about like, do I want this or not? Also, and and I think this is um, perhaps the point I want to emphasize the most, we don't have enough resources in our society for ending a commitment with compassion and kindness and grace, like saying, like, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. You know, like, I've loved you very much, but it's it's not what I want anymore. Like we don't have enough, um, cultural sanctioning of that kind of a choice. Mm. Yeah. I actually spoke to, I don't remember what her actual title was, but some kind of online counselor, therapist, something, and something she said really stuck with me. And I'm curious if, if it was true at all, or is that something (laughs) you, you agree with is Uh she kind of generalized and said that typically women have affairs because they want out of the relationship and men have affairs, but they want to stay in the relationship. Is there any (laughs) truth to that at all? I mean, sure. There's some, Mm -hmm. but it's a, it's, that's a total overgeneralization. Is that true? Sometimes? Yes. Is it always true? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, Because it was just like, it was interesting. I was like, oh, if this is true, that's fascinating. But it feels a little bit oversimplified. <laughs> it's totally oversimplified. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So I'm curious now that we kind of have a general idea of how how many different reasons there are for cheating. I, I want to know if there's anything a girlfriend can do, whether that is controlling behavior or constantly texting and calling and keeping an eye out for everything, emotionally manipulating their partner, or at least trying, stalking on social media or any other tactics in order to prevent a person from having an affair. Does any of it work? (laughs) Well, I'm assuming this is a trick question because (laughs) I would say that all of the behaviors that you mentioned are not effective ways to prevent cheating. Why not? Why not? (laughs) Well, I mean, quite simply, you can't really prevent anyone from doing anything. Other people are going to do what they do. What we can do as far as managing or attempting to manage someone else's behavior is have really clear agreements with them about like, you know, this is what we're agreeing to by engaging in this relationship together you know, but people can always break those agreements and sometimes they do. Mm. But the other things, which I think are even more important are, you know, continuously engaging and re-engaging in the relationship, figuring out what is, you know, satisfying to the both of you and taking an active interest in nurturing the relationship and cultivating the relationship as time goes on. And what that looks like from one month to the next or one year to the next may be very different. So staying like, staying fresh to each other in a way. And I, I, you know, I probably shouldn't have used the word fresh, but staying, staying connected to each other is important. Again, you can't, even if you do that, like, you don't know what's going to happen. People still cheat. It does happen. So I'm not suggesting that this is like some sort of foolproof method for preventing an affair. But that brings me to my last point, which is, you know, your most important job is to take care of you, right? What's your relationship with yourself like? What are you expecting your partner to do for you by being faithful that you aren't doing for yourself? And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not to say that like, you know, like for instance, like you can prefer to be in a relationship with someone who doesn't cheat. Mm -hmm. 
you can say to yourself, look, you know, if this happens, I'm not willing to participate in this. If it does happen in your life, you can decide, like, do I want to continue this relationship or not? Like you have, you have choices and agency around that. And you can certainly make your wishes clear and your expectations clear. But beyond that, like, you're not going to be able to make anybody do or not do anything. It just doesn't yeah. work that way. So that's like where anyone's power is like what do you want to what do you want to make clear before anything probably happens yeah and then what do you want to do to take care of you if something were to happen that's the only place we have that power and what I think is so interesting with the way you would describe like being staying open and kind of curious about each other's reconnecting off and doing all of those things it's the complete opposite of what a lot of grumpy girlfriends do when they're constantly fearing the affair and they're freaking out and they want to control and they're constantly filled with this awful like jealousy and anxiety yeah Yeah. it's the furthest away on the spectrum from that connection and that intimacy exactly yeah exactly that's such a great point like when we're freaking out about what might happen (laughs) and like spinning out all of these terrible scenarios about what our partner might be doing that's not creating more connection and intimacy and joy in the relationship absolutely yeah Yeah. and I think it's also so sad in a way that when uh, the reason a lot of girlfriends do this or like like look out for red flags that's kind of how we make it sound good (laughs) like Mm -hmm. what we're doing is actually useful right it's because there is some kind of shame in being cheated on like I should have known better I should have foreseen this I should have done something differently so to avoid that shame we do everything we can to try to avoid it from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an interesting point for sure. For yeah. sure. And so I think, you know, one of the, one of the questions, well, there are two things I'd say. One is why does it mean something bad about you if someone cheats? And we all have to answer that question for ourselves. I don't think there's one answer to that. So the other thing is like, you know, sometimes when there's smoke, there's fire. Sometimes if we see a bunch of, you know, behavior that seems a little strange, like our partner starts going to the gym at odd hours or starts, you know, going on quote unquote business trips every other weekend or is always on their phone and won't let us, you know, look at their phone. Sometimes that does mean that something's happening. And sometimes it just means that they're going to the gym more often. Sometimes they really do have to go on business trips. Sometimes they're secretive about their phone for reasons that have nothing to do with cheating. Mm -hmm. So the point here is that behaviors in and of themselves aren't necessarily red flags, but they could be. And we really have to learn how to, number one, trust our gut. Number two, you know, have conversations like, hey, what's going on here? And number three, not just be on high alert all the time, like continuously looking for something to be wrong. Yeah. I mean, that trust the gut is like the kryptonite of grumpy girlfriends because their (laughs) gut is so like decalibrated that Uh it's just like, uh we can't do this. So basically a lot of the work that I do is because a lot of them feel genuinely they're, they're truth what really is true to them is that they are worried for no reason they Mm -hmm. truly believe that there's no reason for me to be jealous there's no reason for me to be worried here and that is their truth yet all of these like alarms are going off saying Mm -hmm. that oh my god you need to like check out all of the things because what if what if what if Mm -hmm. so a lot of that work is to learn how to choose what to believe yeah And then if you turn out to be wrong, you have your own back. Yeah, that's all you can ultimately do. Definitely. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. 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 So I have a question that is kind of obvious, but I still think it can't be repeated enough. And that is when a person in a committed relationship where monogamy is the agreement and all of that, when they choose to have an affair, who is responsible for that affair? Yeah. The person who's cheating. 
how can we know that for sure? Like, cause, (laughs) cause a lot of brains go like, yeah, but I could have done, if only I would have done this, or I, if only we had sex more often, or if only I did that thing in the bedroom that he really likes that I don't like, then Mm -hmm. he wouldn't have done it. Like, how can Mm -hmm. we know that the responsibility lands on the person who made the choice? Well, okay. Here's a different way of looking at it. Like, yes. I mean, people do have reasons why they cheat, which are true for them. And it may be like, well, me and my partner haven't had sex in five years or, you know, we never have sex. And when we do, it's not very good. You know, it, it may be that there were factors in the relationship that they were dissatisfied with. Absolutely. And it may be that the person who was cheated on looks back and goes, oh, you know, maybe I should have made physical intimacy more of a priority. Like maybe I thought that wasn't important, but actually it was important to them. Like all of that isn't irrelevant, but if we're looking for a responsibility, you know, the person who's doing the cheating is the person who's doing the cheating. Yeah. And that's, their choice, that's their behavior, and that's always their responsibility. And I think what that brings up is the importance of whether like you're in a relationship and whatever is going on to always live in alignment with what is true for you. If you truly didn't want to do that thing, if you truly didn't want to have sex more often, you can land in that truth if an affair were to occur and they would give that as a reason, knowing that you've always lived in alignment with what is true for you, you can have your own back easier than if you always try to please and always try to make sure and like, but I did all the things and you still cheated on me. Oh no. And then we blame ourselves. So the importance really is to make sure that you're always living according to what is true for you. And then- If another person uses their free will and does a thing, then we don't have to own that and take responsibility for that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. But I would also say that even if, you know, you've stepped out of your alignment of, of mm. in terms of what's true for you, even if you haven't been engaging in the relationship in whatever ways you consider ideal, it still isn't your responsibility if someone else cheats right? That's still on them. That said, you know, this can also be like a powerful turning point in relationships. When cheating happens, sometimes the person who was cheated on goes, oh, like I have been totally checked out of this relationship for a long time and I don't want to do that anymore. And so it can be a powerful point of, um, you know, evaluating how you want to engage in the future, but it needn't be an opportunity to blame yourself for the past. There's a difference between those two things, right? We can use the past as information without judging ourselves for what we, you know, did or didn't do. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of touched on this in the beginning, but I am thinking that when we heard that someone had an affair, maybe a celebrity, but the closer to us, whether it's a family friend or someone like close by, it's very easy to label that person as like, they're an asshole. They can't control themselves and they definitely don't love their partners, all of these things. And I'm curious, why are we so quick to judge? And is there, is there a re like, I'm thinking if there is a point to doing that, like, is there any danger of not judging right away. And when I say danger, I mean from a primitive brain perspective. Like what could happen if we don't judge right away? Like what are we scared of there? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, for various reasons, I think some of them have to do with our primitive brain. Some of them have to do with, you know, broadly shared ideas about right and wrong, which are to a great extent influenced by religious traditions. You know, we have a very black and white view of things and it feels good to be sure that you're right. It feels good to have certainty. And many of us would rather be certain than to be free. And so, you know, because, you know, uncertainty is weird. We don't like it. We don't like the possibility of ambiguity. 
And this is reinforced both by our, you know, like neurobiology, but also by all of these societal messages about things like you're either a this or a that, like it's either like this or it isn't like people are good or they're bad, but it's just not like that. Hmm. Human life is full of contradiction and complexity and nuance and a lot of people don't want to embrace that stuff. And honestly, I don't even think the reasons why we don't necessarily want to embrace complexity and shades of gray matter. What matters is that we have this choice. Like, am I willing to reorient myself to nuance? Am I willing to embrace shades of gray? Can I find my own terra firma, even if the world is a complex place? Hmm. Yeah. And the answer for a lot of people is, gosh, I've never thought about that before. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I talk to my clients a lot about the motivational triad of like conserve energy, just go to pleasure, avoid pain. That's all we want to do. So yeah. not looking at it as black and white and just like yeah. seeing all the nuances like here. Okay. Person A cheated on person B and be like, oh, nuances. Let's just open up to all possibilities. That yeah. takes so much energy. Right. Rather than just like, you're bad, done. Move End on. of story. Yeah. 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 So it really burns a lot of like brain calories to really be open yeah. to that. So it has yeah. to be a conscious choice. And I'm curious, what would be a reason? Like, do we want to question this? And I'm asking a person <laughs> who works with people who have affairs, like, do we want to be more open to kind of seeing the nuances of this? And what would be the benefit to us of doing that? Yeah. So here's the thing. I mean, I'm not, I am certainly not suggesting that like everyone should go have affairs. If your partner has an affair, it's no big deal. I'm not, it's, it's more nuanced than that. Right. The point is that if this happens in your life, or if this happens to someone you care about, if someone cheats on you, how do you want to respond? And how do you want to feel in your life going forward? And more often than not, the belief that someone has done something bad that they shouldn't have done, that there's no gray area, that it's just either right or wrong. Like normally this doesn't help us feel better. It may help us feel justified in our anger in the short term, but it may not get us to what we ultimately want. And often the problem is we don't know what we ultimately want, right? We think that what we want is for the cheating to not have happened in the first place, but that's not an option that's on the table. So where do we go from there? And this is, I mean, and the, you know, the fascinating thing about this is that this isn't just applicable to infidelity. This is applicable to so many different situations in our lives. Something happens. Someone close to us dies younger than we would have wanted them to. We get fired from our dream job, you know, like maybe our partner decides that they're going to take a job like across the world. And we have to decide, like, are we going to go with them and leave everything we know and love in our home country? Or are we going to end the relationship and be sad about that? So things like this happen and we don't necessarily get to choose what options we have on the table. We just get to choose how we play the cards after that, after they've been dealt. And I think just having options and acknowledging those options is a step in the right direction for a lot yeah. of people. And that's a yes. journey that I have made as well. If I just think about my own thoughts about like infidelity and all that in the beginning, like when I was younger, I mean, I'm still not <laughs> very old and experienced, but when I was even younger, like say 17, 18, 19, 20, yeah. I was like, Oh, if I was ever cheated on, I would say goodbye right away. It would end the relationship. It's very black and white. It's always right. bad, always wrong. No. Right. But then I realized the older I got and like I, I th thought about it more, I learned how to coach. I thought about coaching and I realized that that even though it felt empowering to be like black and white, this is how it is. It actually took away my right to choose. Mm. It took away my options. It took yeah. away my ability to be an evolved human being in a situation like that and be like, I actually yeah. get to choose if I want to stay or leave. And yeah. either could be right for me. So right. getting to that point 
I thought before that being open to possibility and being open to forgiveness or whatever else is a sign of weakness or a sign mm-hmm. of being disempowered when the truth mm-hmm. is the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought that was really like, it's fascinating how options can be empowering, but they might feel disempowering in those situations. Sure. Sure. Totally. And again, I think it goes back to the uncertainty thing. Like we want to we want to believe that like, we know how things are. Mm. We want to believe that there's like a clear, like, you know, right path and a clear wrong path. And sometimes it's just not that way. Sometimes that doesn't get us to what we ultimately want. Mm. I just want to, I thought of one thing while you were talking and that's that there's nothing wrong with being upset. And by upset, I mean, any range of feelings if someone cheats on you, you know, it doesn't, the, we're talking about this here as if, you know, like cheating doesn't have to be the end of the world, but I I just want to emphasize that if someone cheats on you, there's nothing wrong with being upset about that. You have every right to think and feel whatever you think and feel about that happening. It's legitimate. The point here isn't like, oh, it should be okay. Like, it's not that big of a deal. None of that is the point at all. The point is that you get to choose how you want to handle this after you've given yourself the grace of allowing your initial response Mm. without trying to change it. Yeah. And we can learn so much from that because for a lot of people, the extreme um, examples of when we would like to feel negative emotions, since I work with couples or with people in relationships, um, Mm -hmm. it's either when you're cheated on, you're probably going to want to be upset. And when someone dies, you're probably going to want to grieve unless it's someone that you wanted them to be dead, (laughs) which I don't know how often that happens, but like we can learn so much from that, that sometimes We want to hold space for our negative emotions. So that can apply to way less severe scenarios as well in everyday life. When they do, they fill the dishwasher wrong. Like we can hold space for our initial reaction and then exercise our right to choose how to respond. Yeah, definitely. The most extreme and the least extreme. And I think that's just an example of how, how this work works, how we can apply it in our lives. Definitely. Definitely. And along those lines, you know, we were talking earlier about whose responsibility is it when cheating happens. And, and, you know, I said, it's always the person who cheats that said, that person is not responsible for how you feel about their cheating. Their action does not make you feel whatever feelings you're feeling. It just doesn't work that way. That can be a very hard one to, to separate people. Yeah, 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 yeah. People don't like that initially a lot of the time, but it's actually the most liberating thing in the world, right? You're allowed to think and feel whatever you think and feel initially, you know, something happens and the point isn't just to change your, your um, automatic response. But the point is like, once you've settle down a little bit, you do get to decide what you make the cheating mean. And it doesn't have to mean that there's anything wrong with you. It doesn't have to mean that you did something wrong or that you're deficient. It doesn't have to mean that your partner's a terrible human being. It can mean something else. Yeah. Yeah. And just the options are endless and right. <laughs> that can be a, a good thing that they, we yeah. have all these things to choose from. So yeah. you also work with couples, but you work with them individually if an yep. affair has occurred. Yep. So how do you go about exploring with the partner who has been cheated on, mm-hmm. whether they want to stay in the relationship or not? How does one go about making a decision like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, it does vary from person to person and situation to situation. So, you know, the folks that are in sort of like the earlier stages of a relationship may have a different set of considerations than folks who have been together for a long time are very committed or are married, uh, you know, maybe share a home, maybe have kids together, all of these things. That said, the essence of it is still the same. And it starts with each individual deciding, what do I want in a relationship? Hmm. 
And the funny part is, you know, like so many of us just have this idea that, you know, like, of course I want to be in a relationship. Of course I want to be married. Of course I want to be partnered, but we don't really know why we, and, and that's not to say that we have to justify it to ourselves. It's a fine thing to want, but we don't really have a clear sense of our own specific reasons. We don't have a clear, specific sense of what we want a relationship to be like, what we want to get from a relationship in our lives, what purpose a relationship is supposed to serve for us, and so on and so on. And for a lot of people, I mean, when I ask these questions of my clients, a lot of people are really stumped. They really don't know. And when we start to clarify these things, we have an easier time making decisions about like what what sort of a disruption in the relationship is something that we can work through? What sort of a disruption in the relationship is, you know, a sign that it's time to call it quits? Like this was a deal breaker for me, mm. that kind of thing. So that's where it begins. It begins with big picture, individual level stuff. And this is where my approach is different from like traditional couples therapy that usually kind of prioritizes the relationship as a unit. My philosophy is that there's no relationship with another person without a clear relationship with yourself. Like that is the starting point for a good yeah. relationship with someone else. I think I'm pretty sure I've made an episode in the past about exactly this. Why do we want a relationship to begin yeah. with? And I talked to my boyfriend about this and our reasons are not the same. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to be like, we mm -hmm. don't have to yeah. have the exact same reasons. We can still get what we want out of a relationship. So that's really yep. interesting. Um, yes. I love so that you pointed that out. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It doesn't have, like, we have <laughs> so many ideas about what compatibility means, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean what you read in a magazine or in some pop psychology book. And like you said, you know, people can have different orientations to the relationship and it can still be really successful and great. Mm. That's yeah. why the focus on the individual is so important because we exactly. can both achieve our desired results without it having to match all the exactly. time. Yeah. Agree. So if the answer ends up being, yes, we want to stay in this relationship or this person who's been cheated on at least wants yeah. to stay. Um, yeah. What's the most important thing that needs to happen? It probably varies between clients, but generally what needs to happen for this person to be able to move forward in this relationship? Yeah. So some of the common things are letting go of blame, <laughs> Letting go of wanting, you know, your person to uh, prove to you all the time that they're not doing anything wrong and deciding what the cheating is going to have meant, or the, how, I'm not saying this well, deciding what you're going to make the cheating mean, hmm. right? And again, as we talked about earlier, it's whatever initial response you have to the cheating is fair, right? Like you're allowed to like think and feel whatever you think and feel about it initially. But then, you know, if the relationship is going to move forward, you know, do you want to be in a situation where you're continuously angry at your partner for something that's happened in the past and can't be changed? Probably not. And they probably don't want to be on the receiving end of that. Do you continuously want to be monitoring your partner and continuously looking for red flags that this is going to happen again? And here's the thing, like you get to decide, we all get to decide, you know, what's okay with us. So sometimes, you know, I've worked with a few people who have been cheated on by someone over and over and over again, and they continue to stay and, and continue to hope that the cheating isn't going to continue. And, you know, here's the thing, like we all get to decide when we have enough information to make a decision about what's right for us and what isn't. Mm. But if you decide that you're, you know, you're willing to trust your partner, you know, let's say you've agreed there's not going to be any more cheating and you believe them. 
you've got to decide that that's going to be your operating belief. You're not going to, it's not going to go so well if you're like, well, you know, on Tuesdays, I'll believe them that they're committed to being faithful to me. And on Wednesdays, I, you know, I might question them and ask them a whole bunch of questions again and like tell them I have to look at their phone and check their emails or all those things. Like you've got to commit to a course of belief and a course of action. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that this, that, the reason, I guess, what I'm thinking is that a lot of people probably get to a yes, if. Mm-hmm. Like, I yes, I want to stay, but then I have like a long list of things that need to, the boxes need to be checked for me to be happy again in this yeah. relationship. Yeah. And I guess that's where letting go of the blame and choosing the narrative of this circumstance that happened in the past, because whether it was a week ago or three years ago, it's still yeah. in the past. So right. choosing that narrative and choosing the operating beliefs, as you said, moving forth, all of that is going to help so that this long list of check boxes that need to be checked don't actually interfere with the relationship moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this takes discretion. This really takes discretion because we're some people and I don't encourage this, but it works for some people. Some people come out of cheating or an infidelity situation and they work something out where like, you know, they do get to check their partner's phone all the time, Mm -hmm. or they do have all of these protocols in place that makes them feel safe, quote unquote, makes them trust their partner again. If you want to do that, you can do that. If that works for you and your partner, great. I'm happy for you. If it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But what I would suggest is that it's not really about controlling their behavior or monitoring their behavior. It's about you deciding that you're either going to trust this person or not. And trust can always be broken. Sorry, not sorry. Like even if like you get to check their phone all the time or you get to like monitor them, monitor them in whatever way you want to, that doesn't mean they can't get around that. Yeah. It's the same for those who have never been cheated on. They think that if I only do all of these things, I'm going to be able to prevent it from happening. And I guess you, when it has happened once you, you give your brain even more ways of, Oh, now I know how to prevent it. Mm -hmm. Right. Don't. Right. Because they have a brain too that they can use. <laughs> right. 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 And I think, you know, one thing that we haven't explicitly said that I think is important to point out is that whenever someone cheats on you, to some extent, it's about you because you're in the relationship. It's happening within your field of experience. But in a way, it also has nothing to do with you. It's your partner's actions. And that's always only about them. Yes, you're there. Yes, you're involved in the situation. But it's like, you know, if like, let's say like I walk out of my house later today and a bus hits me, was the bus like coming for me directly? (laughs) No. Did I still get hit by the bus? Yes. Do I want to get hit by a bus? No. But I also don't walk around every day like thinking like, oh my God, what if I get hit by a bus? I could statistically it's possible, but if I were to think about that all of the time, that would really shape my experience of day-to-day living. And I mean, this, you know, perhaps a COVID example would have been more germane at this point in history. But anyway, the point is like cheating isn't a a referendum on you as a human or you as a partner. Mm, Yeah. And I think, the next question I have, I think the answer might be identical, which I love in that case, if that is the case. Um, if the answer is no, and they don't want to continue this relationship, what yeah. needs to happen in order for this experience to not shape and negatively impact the future relationship for this person? Is it exactly yeah. the same or are there any nuances? Oh, I yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. I mean, I think... You know, it's really important to recognize that one person's behavior, first of all, is about them. Fundamentally, it's about them. Yes, you may have been there and experienced it. You may have been on the receiving end of it, but you didn't cause it. It doesn't have to mean anything about you. 
the feelings you felt when it happened are legitimate, but that still doesn't mean that it's your fault. It doesn't mean that you caused it. It doesn't mean that it's a reflection of your worth at all. And I think recognizing those kinds of things is so important, as is recognizing that people are different. You know, just as there are a lot of people out there who do cheat and some of them do it kind of flagrantly, like these are facts of human existence. There are also people who are really committed to monogamy. There are people who really want to be faithful to their partners. There are people who don't want to cheat on their partners. And it's important to recognize that that is out there too. Just because there are some cheaters doesn't mean, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. That sounds like cheaters are a category of people. And I don't mean to say that. Um, just because cheating happens doesn't mean it has to happen again. Being really clear on what you want in a relationship and what you believe you're worth in a relationship is powerful. Mm. And it can take some time. Like if you've been cheated on, like it can take some time to kind of like digest that experience, create a new narrative about it that you want to take forth into the future and get really clear on the fact that like, okay, this happened, but that doesn't mean it has to happen again. Mm. So do you, do you ever work with clients who have been cheated on, but they have ended the relationship and the person who cheated is no longer in the picture or are, do you only work with clients or couples where the the person having the affair, affair or who had the affair is still in the picture what does that look like oh yeah no I've worked with folks who have moved on yeah definitely yeah mm. yeah. yeah so if anyone listening or in the future for future reference or anything like that if they want to work with you or learn yeah. more about what you do where can they find you yeah. Thank you for asking. So my website is mariemurphyphd.com. Once again, that's mariemurphyphd.com. And I offer one-on-one coaching that is highly tailored to my client's specific needs. And I'm, you know, <laughs> in case this episode hasn't demonstrated this, you know, I have a nuanced perspective on all of these things. I don't take sides. I recognize that humans are complicated creatures and I'm here for all of it. Yeah. And you have a podcast too, right? I do. Yes. Thank you for asking. I have a podcast. It's called Your Secret is Safe with Me. It's dedicated to expanding the conversation around infidelity. And I hope you'll tune in and check it out. Yeah, for sure. I'll link all the information in the show notes below Great. and you can go and check uh, check Marie out. Thank you so much for being here today. This this topic is so fascinating and I really think talking about it and just like opening up to it can decrease some of the panic and fear and judgment that we feel surrounding the topic. So I'm really grateful that you took the time to be on my show. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed this conversation too. That's all I have for you guys this week. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And if you wanna check out Marie and the work that she does, if you yourself or someone you know is in need of some guidance through an experience involving an affair, I will leave all her information in the show notes and you can go check her out. I will see all of you back here next week. Bye-bye.